Recession lights are blinking red as the stock market tanks again. And Supreme Court justices go into hiding after the leak of their majority opinion on Roe. And Joe Biden apparently has nothing to say about it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, here is your reminder. You need to protect your internet activity. It is just that important. If you're not protecting your internet activity, you're doing something real dumb. It's like using the internet. It's like using a laptop at a coffee shop and leaving it open and then running to the bathroom. Now, most of the time, totally fine. But then you come back and there's some weird dude who's just perusing your emails. Why would you do that? Instead, protect your internet activity the way that I do with ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data, passwords, financial details, et cetera. Just some cheap hardware is necessary. A smart 12-year-old could do it. Hackers can make up to 1000 bucks per person selling personal information on the dark web. ExpressVPN, however, will protect you. They create a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It'll take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. So fire up the app, click one button. Now you are protected. Secure your online data today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free. Again, expressvpn.com slash Ben. So folks, as you know, I'm not a huge people person. I like my kids. I like my family. You know, the general public, me. But here's the thing. I'm going to come hang out with you. Live event, Nashville, 3,000 people backstage live. June 29th, the historic Ryman Auditorium in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. So if you haven't been to one of our backstage live events, they are awesome. As you may have noticed, we've been on a huge winning streak here at The Daily Wire, from suing the federal government to stop their tyrannical vax mandate, to helping stop the Loudoun County School Board from its predations against kids, to announcing $100 million to challenge woke Disney and the launch of DW Kids. So now is an excellent time to get together with our pals and celebrate. There will be surprises in store. Join me, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, and Jeremy Boring of Jeremy's Razors for our biggest live event of the year. Tickets go on sale Thursday, May 12th, 10 a.m. Central Time for Daily Wire, all access members only. So remember, you have to be an all access member to get extra time to, to pick up the tickets. Last time, we sold out basically just the all access members. So you really should get an all access membership today to make sure you have access to the tickets. 12 hours later, they go on sale for the general public. If you're not an all access member, don't miss out. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become an all access member today and get that early access to our Ryman event tickets. Daily Wire Backstage Live, the Ryman Nashville, June 29th. I'll pretend to be happy to see you there. Alrighty, so the entire media are fully consumed with Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court of the United States. And again, the suggestion seems to be from the media constantly that people are going to vote en masse based on Roe. This is just not the case. As I've said, this is a, a multiple hypothetical they are hoping comes to fruition. They are hoping, one, that the Supreme Court rules the way that this majority opinion suggests that it will. Two, that there are a lot of people in red and purple states who are going to be just exorbitantly angry about Roe versus Wade and fearful that there will be a huge piece of legislation coming down that is going to three affect them. Okay, and again, I think that is a, a real bank shot. That is not a direct electoral motivator. Direct electoral motivators typically involve things that directly involve your life like right now, not sometime in the future. I may be in a situation where I need an abortion and decide that I want an abortion and then I won't be able to get an abortion. I also won't be able to get a plane ticket to New York or California. And maybe they'll pass a law that'll really hurt me at that point. That's not how people vote. The way that people typically vote is based on what is happening to them in the here and now. And you know what's happening to people in the here and now? The economy is happening to them in the here 
And now, according to a new Convention of States Action Trafalgar survey released on Thursday, apparently a plurality of Americans said that lowering inflation and fixing the economy was the number one issue to them. And this, again, is duplicative of multiple polls showing that the economy remains the top issue. The other issues that people seem to care about, securing the border is a top issue. There, there's some other issues that are that are in there, like, for example, racial and social equality. These are low down on the on the chart. So is climate change. Right? The ones that Democrats think are really going to motivate people to get out there. Those things do not rank high in any poll of the issues that people are mostly caring about. Now, if you ask people like right this moment today what they care about, they'll still say the economy is number one. They might say abortion is number two just because it's top of the headlines. In four months, it ain't going to be top of the headlines. As soon as the Supreme Court actually comes out with the decision, it's not going to be top of the headline. It's just going to be the fulfillment of the opinion that's already been released. So in some ways, the early leak of this thing took a lot of the sting and a lot of the fight out of the issue when the Supreme Court decision comes down in presumably a few weeks or so. But again, right now, what you're looking at is a bad economy and an economy that is getting worse. We keep hearing that the economy is strong. That is not how people feel about the economy. And they certainly don't feel that way after the Dow tumbled a thousand points for the worst day since 2020. And the Nasdaq dropped 5% yesterday. And the reason for that is because there was this bizarre kind of surge on Wednesday that happened after Jerome Powell went out there and told you, told you a bunch of fibs about how strong the economy was. He said, there's no chance of recession. We're going to get this inflation thing under control. We're going to raise interest rates by half a percentage point, 50 basis points. And all of this will get things under control. And the market, for a moment, surged. Like, maybe Jerome Powell knows what he's talking about. And then they're like, well, maybe he doesn't know really what he is talking about. So the market surged based on Jerome Powell's announcement. And then within 24 hours, it had dumped based on Jerome Powell's <laughs> announcement. According to Randy Frederick, Managing Director of Trading and Derivatives at the Schwab Center for Financial Research over at CNBC, he says, if you go up 3% and then you give up a half percent the next day, that's pretty normal stuff. Having the kind of day we had yesterday and then seeing it 100% reversed within half a day is just truly extraordinary. Large tech stocks were the ones that were feeling the most pressure. Meta Platforms and Amazon fell nearly 6.8% and 7.6% respectively. Microsoft dropped 4.4%. Salesforce dropped 7.1%. Apple sent close to 6%. E-commerce stocks were a key source of weakness on Thursday, Etsy and eBay dropped 16.8% and 11.7% respectively after issuing weaker than expected revenue guidance. Now, this, by the way, should be an indicator that consumption is starting to fall off in pretty dramatic fashion because Amazon is driven by two forces, really. Amazon Web Services, which is large internet companies that, that use their web services for hosting, and then also consumption, right? A lot of Amazon's product services and sales, that's how they make their money. The same thing is certainly true for Etsy and eBay, which are completely just product consumption. So when product consumption goes down, what you start to see is demand leveling off. When demand levels off and inflation is still high, we call this stagflation. And you start to look at recession. Meanwhile, mortgage rates hit 5.27%. That is the highest level since 2009. At the beginning of the year, home loan rates were 3.22%. So they've jumped more than 2% in the course of the last few months alone. According to the Wall Street Journal, the steady climb in mortgage rates shows no signs of slowing down. The average rate for a 30-year fixed-rate home loan rose to 5.27% from 5.1% a week earlier, according to Freddie Mac. That marked the weekly figure's highest reading in nearly 13 years. Thursday's reading continued what has been a rapid surge as the busy spring selling season takes hold. The average rate on America's most popular home loan was 3.22% in early January, 2.96% one year ago. From January to April, rates rose at their fastest three-month pace since 1994. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by half a percentage point in a bid to curb inflation. Freddie's weekly average was recorded before the central bank's Wednesday announcement. 
So what that means is that you would imagine that these rates are going to continue to go up pretty sharply. And that means that your mortgage just got a lot more expensive. Now, maybe that is compensated for, at least in part, by dropping real estate prices. But that is going to hurt a lot of people who, for example, already own homes and spent the last couple of years buying homes in the inflated market. And now they're underwater on their mortgages. So you could start to see a real estate tumble based on that. In other words, when you inflate the economy this fast, and when you have supply chain crises, and when you have a government that is firmly convinced that dumping money into the economy is a good idea, there are predictable effects. And those effects include bubbles that burst. And this is a major problem. It's not people on the right just saying this. CNN's Harry Enten, who is certainly no right winger, he says that Joe Biden has awful economic numbers. Right? These poll numbers are just bad for him. On the Chiron, you see dismal. I was going to use the word awful. Uh, essentially, if you ask Americans how they view the economy, is it poor or good? Uh, look at the percentage that say poor at this time. It is north of 70%. It is 77% say bad, bad, bad. Okay, well, if that many Americans feel that the economy is bad, it doesn't matter how many times Ron Klain retweets people saying the fundamentals of the, of the economy are strong. People feel like their money is worth less because their money is worth less. People feel that demand is leveling off, which means that their job might go away. And they're very much afraid of that. People are feeling like they can't afford a mortgage in the first place. And now they doubly can't afford a mortgage. And then even if the prices come down, they certainly can't afford a mortgage because the mortgage rates are going to be 7 8% at the rate of increase that we are currently seeing on a 30-year fix, right? These are big, big numbers. And this is scaring people. And it should scare people. What this really means is that there's a good shot of recessions coming. The only question is when. According to former Obama advisor Steve Radner, he says, yeah, the recession is coming. There's talk about recession. Uh, uh, Chairman Powell said yesterday that he was aiming for a, quote, softish landing. I don't know how you would feel if you were on a plane and the pilot announced that he was aiming for a softish landing. And it's a real question as to where this is going and how high rates will go, how high inflation will go, and what the impact of that will be on the economy, especially as we go into the midterms next year. Former Biden advisor Jaron Bernstein is saying the same thing. This is a former advisor to Joe Biden when he was vice president of the United States. He says, I can't rule out a recession here because no one can rule out a recession here. And again, this is brought about by bad government policy. Yes, there are supply chain crises. They're not impacting Europe the same way they're impacting the United States. This is a Federal Reserve, federal government policy, and it has generated a really, really dangerous time in the American economy. Can you tell the American people that we're not headed for a recession? I can tell the American people that we are much better positioned when it comes to that recession question uh, than pretty much any other advanced economy I've seen. But probably more importantly, Wait, I so can you, tell so the American people- So you can't rule it that, out, is what I'm hold hearing. Hold on, let, let, let me, let, you can never rule anything out. You can never rule anything out. Okay, so here's the truth. I speak to investors on a routine basis, and the problem is because nobody knows where the economy is going, people are starting to get very tentative about where they put their money. Do you put it in real estate with these giant mortgage rates, knowing that the real estate prices are probably going to drop? Or do you just wait? Do you put your money into tech stocks, knowing that the tech stocks are starting to fall pretty dramatically? Or do you just wait? Do you put your money into bonds, knowing that the federal government has inflationary policies that could kick back in a couple of years down the line? Or do you just wait? Do you just take your money out of the economy and sit on it? This is a major problem during the Obama era. During the Obama era, there are trillions of business investment dollars sitting on the sidelines because of the uncertainty about the economy, because of the regulatory policy of the administration. And it looks a lot like that. It feels a lot like that. If you're an investor, really, if you have like some loose money sitting on the sidelines, where do you put it right now? And people don't know the answer. And a few months ago, it was like, you just put it anywhere, right? A few months ago, it's like, buy an NFT, you know, buy a gorilla NFT, and it'll be totally fine. A few months ago, it was like, just throw your money 
at some, some marginal real estate, it'll probably go up. There's this irrational exuberance, as, as Alan Greenspan used to suggest. And that, that irrational exuberance sort of repeated itself. So we saw a bubble, and now we are starting to see the bubble burst. Already coming up, you may have noticed that the economy is increasingly turning toward the worst. The Biden administration is just doubling down on stupid, well, this might be a good time to diversify your asset base. So I'm an owner of some Bitcoin. I own some Ethereum. And I recommend that you take at least a little bit of your asset base and put it in crypto, which is why you might want to take a look at opening up an Alto Crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks. With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. Get into investing in crypto. Do it in a tax-advantaged retirement account. Alto's Crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. You can trade all you want without the tax headache. Create an account in just a few minutes. Invest with as little as 10 bucks. No setup charges, no account fees. Secure trading 24-7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. They've got 150 plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. Open an Alto Crypto IRA account again with as little as 10 bucks. Dip a toe in the water. Again, I speak from experience. I own Bitcoin, I own Ethereum, and I'm a big Bitcoin advocate, as you know. Just go to altoira.com slash Ben to get started. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Ben. Start investing in crypto currency today. Go to altoira.com slash Ben. And again, they have these accounts that help you defer the taxes in a tax advantage retirement account. Start investing today. Altoira.com slash Ben. The, the problem, one of the big problems here is that you have a, you have an administration and a Federal Reserve that is still attempting to remake America according to its preferred political policies, which is pretty amazing. A few weeks ago, Ezra Klein did an interview with Larry Summers. And in that interview with Larry Summers, he basically let the cat out of the bag. He said, you know, I'm looking at these economic numbers and the inflation numbers, and I know that that reality doesn't have to comport with my view of what reality ought to be. But it makes me sad that we really tried to run the economy hot in order to help the people at the bottom of the economic spectrum. And those are the people getting hurt the worst. And it's like, yes, of course, that's always how it works. When you inflate the economy, when you pursue bad economic policy that creates bad risk assessments, that creates bubbles, that then burst. But what Ezra Klein said was, I think, the way that the left views things, which is, well, you know, in any case, when things get bad, the people at the bottom get hit hardest. When things are good, people at the bottom aren't benefiting enough. Therefore, we should always pervert policy toward the people at the bottom of the economic spectrum. Now, the problem with that, listen, we can all be sympathetic to people at the bottom of the economic spectrum. The problem is when you create perverse incentives, the people who tend to take the perverse incentives are the people at the bottom of the economic spectrum who then end up holding the bag when the music stops. And that's precisely what happened in 2007, 2008. We promoted subprime mortgages to people who literally had no ability to pay back those mortgages on the assumption that the real estate prices would continue to rise. And then they didn't rise. And then everybody went underwater. And then everybody went bankrupt. And now you're starting to see, it's, it's amazing how history, this isn't even history repeating itself or rhyming. It's just history. It's an identity, okay? A equals A. So now you have the Federal Reserve and top US regulators who are now attempting to push exactly, like precisely the same policy that brought about the 2007 2008 crash. According to the Wall Street Journal today, top U.S. regulators proposed overhauling how banks lend hundreds of billions of dollars annually in lower income communities. The first major revamp to the standards in more than two decades as lenders increasingly offer financial services online. The proposal to modernize rules for the 1977 Community Reinvestment Act was announced Thursday and could be finalized by the end of the year. It aims to ensure lending to lower income individuals and small businesses is distributed more evenly where banks do business. Existing rules focus on bank activities around their physical branches. Those rules are outdated in a world in which much financial activity happens over the internet. With mobile phones, both bankers and community advocates say, today's proposal seeks to expand access to credit, 
investment and banking services in low and middle income communities, said incoming Federal Reserve Vice Chairwoman Lael Brainerd in a written statement. The Fed is one of three regulators rewriting lending rules. The other two, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, also signed off on the proposal on Thursday. The regulators will collect public comments on the proposal through early August before writing final rules. Congressional approval is not necessary. Under the plan, large banks would face expanded scrutiny of their auto lending activities if such loans comprise a significant portion of their business in addition to mortgages and small business loans. Officials cited the importance of auto loans to lower income borrowers in explaining the added scrutiny. So again, the idea is to pressure banks to give loans more easily in low-income communities. The problem with this, of course, is that if banks actually thought it was highly profitable because people in low-income communities were paying back their loans at a good rate, don't you think they would already be taking advantage of those markets? The left holds these simultaneous positions about business. One is that business is entirely profit-seeking. And two is that business is perverse and non-profit-seeking when it comes to low-income communities. Those two are in direct conflict. You can't hold both thoughts at the same time. You see the same thing with, with the left view of how business treats women, right? Women are paid 77 cents on the dollar. So why wouldn't every profit-seeking, evil, greedy business hire only women? And they, they, so you, you can't have it quite both ways, but the left always wants to have it both ways. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Community Reinvestment Act is designed to end redlining banks' historical practice of avoiding lending in certain areas, often lower-income communities, frequently leading to stark economic disparities along racial lines. The law is one of the major tools the government uses to encourage banks to lend more to low- and moderate-income communities. So, again, they're now promoting rules that they are hoping are going to expand lending. I mean, right now, credit they're trying to drive up the credit to prevent the inflation. But at the same time, they want to make it looser in terms of how you lend in low-income communities, which are the most vulnerable communities in terms of which people are least likely to pay back loans. And then you wonder well, how bubbles are created. It's because of stuff like this. So get ready for economic pain because this administration has no plans up its sleeve other than economic pain. Nothing they do is designed toward actually solidifying the economy, making business people more feel more comfortable with their investments, making people feel like the economy is going to continue to expand. I mean, you have the... the Treasury Secretary openly saying that countries attempting to make friendlier business climates is a race to the bottom. And then you're wondering why people are taking trillions of dollars out of their investments, cashing out and taking that cash and putting it on the sidelines. That would be the reason why. Meanwhile, the Democrats are pursuing radical social policy. So justices, I mean, this is kind of an amazing thing. And I, I got to put this on John Roberts at this point. John Roberts needs to just release the majority opinion in a row and be done. I think it's an actual sin what John Roberts is doing right now. If John Roberts thinks that a few additional weeks of consideration of this issue, when we already have the majority opinion, so he can change a few lines here or there, and we can go through our process, and this will uphold the institutional authority of the Supreme Court, and then everybody will be happier when we release a very similar opinion to the one that we already saw from Justice Alito. If he thinks that that upholds the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court, he's out of his mind. It, it, Roberts has been wrong every step of the way on this sort of stuff, by the way. Roberts, every time he says he wants to uphold the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court, he does something that undermines the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court. He'll be like, yeah, we can't knock down Obamacare. That'll undermine the, the integrity of the Supreme Court. So I'm going to write this decision where in one part of the decision, I call Obamacare a tax. And in another part, I call it not a tax in the same decision. This is the kind of stuff that Justice Roberts does. Well, right now, the, the thing that needs to happen is the Band-Aid needs to get pulled off. And it really needs to get pulled off for very practical safety reasons. Because... I mean, there, there are people positing online right now. There is a, a British commentator who posited online a thought experiment, a trolley experiment, sort of a Derek Parfit moral thought experiment. And here was his thought experiment. His thought experiment, I kid you not, this is on Twitter, was if you could kill 
one of the Supreme Court justices in the majority today and thus spare hundreds of thousands of women every year who want to have an abortion from the predations of state governments that prevent them from having abortions, isn't that worth it? And you have to imagine that that's some, some of that logic is going through the heads of people on the left right now. If they could snap their fingers and Justice Thomas just disappeared, do you think that they might do it? I'm not suggesting that every single person who opposes the decision is a potential assassin, of course. That would be ridiculous. But if you are worried about the safety of justices, as you should be since they are now in hiding and a huge fence is out at the Supreme Court, a non-scalable fence is now out around the Supreme Court. If you're worried about that, shouldn't you just release the opinion? Because right now we are still at this inflection point with regard to this particular decision. And Democrats keep running the rhetoric extremely hot here, like really, really hot. According to the UK Daily Mail, Left-wing groups are currently planning to send activists and protesters to the homes of conservative justices, to their houses. An activist group called Ruth sent us, as in Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who certainly would not be in favor of this, has published the supposed addresses of Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Coney Barrett, and Roberts, and are planning walk-bys of their homes Wednesday, May 11th. The group's website says our 6-3 extremist Supreme Court routinely issues rulings that hurt women, racial minorities, LGBTQ+, and immigrant rights. We must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics. This is extraordinarily dangerous stuff. Roberts needs to release the opinion and be done. Because until that opinion is released, these people really believe that they can either threaten or maybe do violence to justice in order to, in order to achieve their goals. What Roberts is doing right now is sinful. Already coming up. You have people who are literally going to justices' homes to threaten them. And the White House, shockingly, they have nothing to say about this. These are all the people who love democratic norms and the rule of law. These are people who are definitely not insurrectiony in any way. Get to that in just one moment. First, are you a small business? Well, I have a question for you. Have you ever had an issue with employee attendance? Have you had an employee altercation in the workplace? Have you ever stressed about navigating through HR compliance? Here's the thing. When you create a business, you never think about HR. But that is the issue that can end your business if you don't do it right, which is why you need Bambi. Bambi helps small business owners implement good HR practices. It's an HR platform built for businesses like yours, so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. An in-house HR manager can cost up to 80 grand a year. With Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts just 99 bucks a month. No hidden fees, you can cancel anytime. And Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies, workplace training, and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. Available by phone, email, or real-time chat. Go to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now for your free HR audit. You run your business, let Bambi run your HR. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Shapiro. That's Bambi.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Shapiro to get started and make sure that your HR is running on all available cylinders. So Jen Psaki yesterday, the outgoing White House press secretary, she's going to go get her slot, go get her, uh, grab some cash over on MSNBC. She was over on CNN before, so she's moving around the left-wing networks and then uh, into the friendly White House and then, and then out again. So she was asked specifically about people doing these walk-by protests of justices' houses, which is insane. And um, here she was saying, like refusing to condemn people protesting outside justices' houses which is a pure intimidation tactic. It's crazy. And here's the White House. I mean, again, this is the norms crowd. Sounds kind of insurrectiony, to be honest with you. Here's Jen Psaki. These activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants to help your side make their point? Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear 
uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. That's insane. That's an insane answer. A lot of passion and fear. So what, you get to go to justice's homes now? This is amazing stuff. This is the same group of people, the same group of people who, when Sarah Palin put out a map at one point, just showing congressional districts with targets on them for Republicans to put their money into. And then there was a shooting that had nothing to do with that congressional map. She was blamed as somebody who had put a target on the back of Gabby Giffords. It was a major national issue at the time. Barack Obama basically went to Arizona and implied the same thing. That sort of rhetoric was apparently out of bounds. Now you have the White House, the White House, refusing to condemn people showing up at the homes of Supreme Court justices they disagree with. That's crazy talk. That's nuts. But that's how radical this White House is. And they think they're going to win electorally based on this strategy? This is their plan? I mean, forget about the morality. This is their politics? I mean, how extreme is this White House at this point? So Jen Psaki was asked if Joe Biden supports any limits on abortion at all. Remember, Joe Biden is just a good Catholic boy. And he's just a good Catholic who really, he really believes in, in Catholic doctrine. I'm no Catholic. Suffice it to say that if you are somebody who is giving communion to a president of the United States who holds this position, I am wondering why. Is there any other position that a Catholic could hold that is so in direct conflict with Catholic doctrine and get away with getting communion? Could you be like pro-murder and get away with getting communion? Like that's actually your actual, your actual platform is murder good. And the Catholic church would be like, oh, here, here's a wafer. Like, I'm just wondering how this works on a religious level. Jen Psaki expressed yesterday that Joe Biden feels there should be zero limits, none on abortion, none. Here we go. So does the president support abortion up until the, the moment of birth? The president has spoken about this many times, Peter, and I would refer you to his own comments about abortion and a woman's right to choose and make decisions about her body with her doctor, which is what any of those women would do. Amazing, amazing stuff. Okay, so this White House is abortion. Until, don't worry, it's the right that's extreme. The left's position is just abortion until birth and go intimidate Supreme Court justices at their homes. Pretty incredible stuff here. Approved by the White House. Approved by the White House. And again, you cannot find any Democrat in a major position of power who will condemn the leak or the violence or any of it. In the same way that you couldn't find a major Democrat during the BLM riots to full-throatedly condemn the violence. If they did, they're like, yeah, rioting is bad, but you have to understand the sentiments that lead to the rioting. And it's the violence is not a bad thing to the left, so long as it tends to support its general presumptions about the world. In fact, the only Democrats that you can find to condemn things like leaks from the Supreme Court are Democrats who believe they're in trouble in swing states. Literally the only Democrat that I have seen who condemned the leak and the threats against SCOTUS justices the only one I can find is Mark Warner in Virginia. And the reason Mark Warner in Virginia is feeling a little vulnerable is because Glenn Youngkin just got elected governor of Virginia. Here is literally the only Democrat. I was, yesterday, I said, I can't find a Democrat to condemn violent threats or any of this sort of stuff. I can. I can find one. He's in a swing state. His name is Mark Warner. Here we go. Whether you're a Supreme Court justice who's under threat, whether you're some of the people who senators who voted for the impeachment of Mr. Trump, whose lives are put in threat. I think that kind of action is outrageous either end of the political spectrum. And we need to do all we can. And if there are more, you know, Secret Service or other security yeah. entities that need to protect our justices, amen. I mean, I have a question. So why exactly is he the only Democrat I can find who will condemn this sort of stuff? It's amazing. Meanwhile, the media are trotting out folks like Hillary Clinton to speak on this issue. And she says it's extraordinarily dangerous. 
Overturning Roe is dangerous. Not going outside justices' homes with the approval of the White House. Overturning Roe and letting people vote on the issue, that's dangerous. Here's Hillary Rodham Clinton. This opinion is dark. It is incredibly dangerous. And it is not just about a woman's right to choose. It is about much more than that. And I hope people now are fully aware of what we're up against, because the only answer is at the ballot box to elect people who will stand up for every American's rights. And any American who says, look, I'm not a woman, this doesn't affect me, I'm not black, that doesn't affect me, I'm not gay, that doesn't affect me. Once you allow this kind of extreme power to take hold, you have no idea. It's amazing. So it's now extreme power allowing it to take hold when the justices do not usurp the authority of state legislatures and actually just revert that authority back to state legislatures. Also, again, notice how for Democrats, when they are arguing over this Roe thing, they never just argue the Roe thing. They don't don't argue about the abortion laws. Instead, it's about so much more than that. It's about so much more than that. Okay, this is like when you have an argument with your spouse and the argument is about something stupid. The argument's about like who's washing the dishes. And suddenly it blows up. And it's like, it's not just about the dishes. It's about all these other things. Like, wait, I thought it was just about the dishes. Okay, with Democrats and abortion, it can never just be about abortion because they lose that argument. So instead, it's about all the other things. Don't you see what's coming down the pike? Don't you see what's coming? This is why you see Democrats being like, they're going to ban interracial marriage again. They're going to ban contraceptives. Yes, I'm sure, guys. I'm sure. By the way, as I said earlier, they're not even going to ban same-sex marriage again. The Supreme Court says in this decision that they are not even going to visit, revisit, Obergfell. And as I said before, regardless of what you feel about same-sex marriage, there is no Supreme Court precedent before Obergfell that suggests a long-standing national right to same-sex marriage. But they're not even going to revisit that. So all this slippery slope talk is just an easy way for you guys to avoid the actual issue here, which is the Supreme Court got out of the abortion business here and said that states now get to vote on the most critical life issue in America, which is the way that it's supposed to work under the federalist system. So that's It's an amazing thing. Meanwhile, Democrats, again, the rhetoric just gets more and more extreme. If they think that uh, I'm bewildered by these folks, they have no interest in fixing the economy. They have no interest in fixing the border, the things that people are actually going to vote based on. Instead, they think that if they just rant and rave about Emily's list, that somehow massive numbers of Americans are going to be motivated to turn up at the ballot box. No, they will not. No, they will not. How do I know this? Texas basically made abortion illegal almost a year ago at this point. And you know who's shown up at the ballot box to punish Texas? No one. No one. Senator Maisie Hirono, who is the dumbest person in the United States Senate by a long shot. She is truly a, a mental derelict. She's just, there's nothing going on upstairs for Maisie Hirono. Here she was yesterday saying, Republicans don't give a rip about women. They don't give a rip about women, except for, you know, all of the girls who will be killed in sex-selective abortions or all of the women who will be victimized by never being told what exactly is growing inside them, never being allowed to see an ultrasound in left-wing states except for all of the women who will feel regret and shame at the killing of their unborn kids, except for all of the women who've been indoctrinated into a perverse view of the world in which killing your unborn child is somehow a form of virtue. Yeah, we don't care about women except for any of those things. Here's Maisie Hirono doing her shtick. Fundamentally, Republicans don't give a rip about women. They are more angry, incensed, and whatever words, outrage by the leak than they are by the fact that women of this country are going to wake up one morning and realize they no longer control their own bodies. Uh, and this sort of language is always very bizarre from the left. Women don't control their own bodies, really. There is, it turns out there are a series of steps 
that generally lead to an abortion. It put aside cases of rape and incest, which again, amount to a tiny fraction of all abortion cases. Whenever you hear somebody on the left argue about rape and incest, understand they're not arguing about the central case. They're deliberately picking what we call in the law edge cases so they cannot argue about the central case. Because if anybody, like for example, Mitt Romney, this is his actual position, said, fine, abortion cases of rape and incest is okay with me. They wouldn't then go, okay, well, I guess we can now do uh, an abortion law that bans the rest. It's not about that. When they say that it's about women's bodily autonomy, women have the choice in the United States whether to have sex. They have the choice how to have sex, with whom to have sex, whether to use contraceptives or not. Those are all choices that a woman gets to make about her own body. The question here is, what do you have the ability to make a choice about with regard to another person's body? Namely, the person that's created inside you when you have sex, a natural outgrowth of sexual activity. I know that we have to live in this bizarre fantasy land in which sex and baby making are completely disconnected, unlike every other mammal on planet Earth and unlike all of the human species until about the year 1960. But that ain't the reality. It turns out that every time you have sex, you ha it carries the risk of having a kid. That simple biology. I know the left has trouble with simple biology these days. They don't even know what a woman is. Uh, again, I'm, I'm amused by the left's return to the language here with regard to women. Oh, women, women know. Women, you don't even know what a woman is. You can't, your, your Supreme Court Justice, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, couldn't even say what a woman was. And here you are like, well, we speak for all women, do you? Or do you speak for pregnant men? Or do you speak for women who now believe they are men? You can't even define words anymore. It's all just power. And whenever the left kind of engages in the Michel Foucault argument that all human language, all truth is just a function of power, understand that's how they think. It's all projection. It's not that the right uses truth and words and principles as a guise for power. It's that the left does. And for them, it's just all about power. So sometimes women are women, sometimes women are not. Sometimes abortion is termination of a pregnancy. Sometimes it's shout your abortion. Sometimes human beings are children. Sometimes they are not. It depends on what day it is for Joe Biden or what state of mind he is in or whether he's had his pudding that morning. But again, the, the, the sort of female equality argument is the weakest of all arguments the Democrats trot forth. And it is anti-biological. Here's Senator Gillibrand doing the same thing. I do not think that 50% of America should be told that they have to put their bodies at risk of life or death without their consent. It is barbaric. It is inhumane. It is unacceptable. And I hope every human being in this country understands that when you take away a woman's right to make her decisions about her health and well-being, she is no longer a full citizen. Women are no longer full citizens unless they can kill their baby, unless they can decide on their own whether a baby is a baby or a cancer. And they're not full citizens. Turning your own child into your enemy is real pagan type stuff. The child growing in your womb as your bodily enemy seeking to destroy you is um, pretty evil. I think I think it's fair to say that if, if, if your view widespread is that women should view the child growing within them as a potential enemy, as opposed to, you know, the thing that you are supposed to generally lay down your life for men and women, that we, adults are supposed to get in the way of bullets for kids. You have an entire political party that now suggests that kids ought to be devalued based on the subjective opinion of a woman at the time encouraged by people like Kristen Gillibrand. Democratic language on abortion is so hideous. It's so ugly. You can understand why they try to argue that the abortion issue is really about all these other issues, because when they argue about the issue itself, it sounds really, really morally disgusting. <laughs> we'll get to that in just one moment. First, Cuts Clothing. Let me tell you, the best shirts on the market, Cuts Clothing. All my t-shirts, Cuts Clothing. They fit great. They're extremely durable. They always look terrific. 
Really, I like took all of my other t-shirts and I kind of threw them out. Cuts Clothing has spent years perfecting men's t-shirts, taking look good, feel good to a whole new level. Right out of college, Cuts founder and CEO Stephen Borelli got a job in an agency with a casual dress code. But in his first week, he was told that his shirt was too athleisure So he searched all over for a presentable and stylish tee. He couldn't find any that fit the bill. So he decided to solve the problem himself. He designed a premium t-shirt that could be worn anywhere on or off the clock. Again, I have a bunch of Cuts t-shirts. I have a bunch of Cuts polos. They are great. They're super comfortable and they fit fantastic. The shirts are made to last. Ditch the fast fashion brands. Invest in Cuts. And Cuts t-shirts, they're not like cheap garbage that's going to fall apart in the wash in one second. These things last a really, really long time. And again, they look great every time you pull them out of the wash and take them out of the dryer and put them on. They're, they're just great. I mean, I, I can't speak too highly of Cuts. Refresh your wardrobe in time for summer with Cuts. See for yourself why Cuts is one of the fastest growing men's brands with over a million shirts sold. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com slash Ben. Again, that's C-U-T-S Clothing.com slash Ben. Go check them out today. CutsClothing.com slash Ben. Well, it is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. Today, it's Colin Pesh on Twitter who understands the importance of raising your children right. In this pick, the world's greatest beverage vessel is being held by a happy grandfather standing next to his son, an adorable baby grandson. The caption reads, Real Daily Wire, three generations of constitutional conservative hashtag leftist tears tumbler. Yes, that's some excellent dadding right there. Thanks for the pick. Thanks for being a Daily Wire member. Now, since the left-leaning media continues to quote-unquote debunk much of what is actually true, I've done my own debunking, except I'm not doing it with an agenda attached. I'm not lying like they do. I'm just going to tell you the truth. We're going to take a bunch of leftist arguments and we are going to debunk them. This is what we do on season two of my show, Debunked. It is an indispensable resource for telling your friends that they are wrong. I expose leftists for the frauds they are. And again, it means that when you're at a dinner party and somebody starts saying stupid stuff about Israel and Palestine or about tax policy, you're just going to know the answers to these questions now. You can argue like I would. The fourth episode is streaming right now exclusively at The Daily Wire. It explores all the conspiracy theories around who shot JFK and explains why so many Americans have been lied to. And yes, there is a political angle to that. If you're not already a Daily Wire member, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code DEBUNK for 20% off. I created the show to give you the confidence to counter leftist arguments. I can't wait to share it with you over the coming weeks. Use code DEBUNKED for 20% off today, your new Daily Wire membership. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Stacey Abrams, the great and sainted Stacey Abrams, the heroine of the Republic. I don't know, am I assuming her gender? In any case, the not Georgia governor, who's now running for Georgia governor and with the help of God will lose again. Stacey Abrams, she says she's an unequivocal abortion supporter, like at every level. I'm unequivocal. I believe in the right to an abortion. And this is something I came to over many years. I grew up in the deep south in a religious community where the question of abortion was almost unequivocally no. But it took my exposure to a broader set of conversations, including to a friend, a dear friend in Mississippi who had to make a tough choice without the support she needed, without support from me, for me to start to think about what does that mean? So she is an unequivocal abortion supporter because she had a friend. Congratulations. It turns out, you know what needed a friend? Probably the baby. The baby needed a friend. You know, the, the, the Orwellian language that, that is now being used with regard to kids, it is, it is it's stunning. It really is. I mean, Representative Pramila Jayapal, she says this is government-mandated pregnancy, which is sort of like saying that, if you, that, that digesting your food is not the natural outgrowth of eating it. Like, generally speaking, when you have sex, it carries the risk of having children. That is a natural outgrowth of having sex. But here's Pramila Jayapal suggesting governmental mandated pregnancy as though it's a matter of complete neutrality. 
whether your body creates a baby once there is a baby inside it. Our doctors and our loved ones that we want to bring in, but nobody else is going to carry this child. This is government mandated pregnancy. And it is an outrage, and I think it is— No, it's really, biologically mandated pregnancy. Um, it really undermines and delegitimizes uh, the Supreme Court as a body that can make uh, decisions that are not just purely political and Supreme Court justices that, frankly, lied under oath. The evil dehumanization of those who are pre-born, those in the womb, which, by the way, represents every single person you see talking today on the screen. Every single one of those person was once in the womb. Without variation. You know, all, all those people being treated as though they do not exist, as though their interests have no bearing on the case. That that dehumanization, I, I was told by, by people on the left, dehumanization is the root of all evil. It is definitely the root of all evil, and you guys engage in it on a daily basis. It is incredible. But again, the iron law of woke projection, as James Lindsay says, is is unbroken. It's, its winning streak is unbroken. Beto O'Rourke, better eating New Mexican dirt and saying dumb crap. So Beto came out, he says, you know, as all, this is again, one of the left's big arguments is not about life, it's about control. No, for you, it's about control. For you, it's about control, which is why you're willing to kill unborn human beings in order to maintain control. That's, that is a control issue. Having kids is about releasing control, okay? As the father of three, let me say, having kids is about understanding that you don't control everything in life and that you have to give up a lot of your life priorities in favor of these tiny human beings. For the left, it's about control, which is why they think it's okay to kill kids, to maintain control. This is not about life. This is about control. This is about power. It's about controlling the lives of the women of Texas and taking power away from them. No, it's about you controlling the entire society by suggesting that the next generation has no interest in existing. The, the language that is used with abortion, it, it, just, it, it is never going to... It is never going to not be morally stunning when it comes to the left. The left's language with regard to abortion is just morally egregious on every possible level. And sometimes they just let it slip. Like Whoopi Goldberg yesterday. Again, it, it, it's, it's amazing how folks on the left, they will pretend that they don't think that what's going on in the womb is a child. They'll, they'll just because they can't stand the cognitive dissonance of actually acknowledging what they're doing. Some of them will, and then it's really ugly. You'll, you'll see a few wild leftists will be like, yeah, I know it's a baby and I don't care about the baby and I'll kill it. And that at least points for honesty. But every so often it just slips out. So you have Joe Biden saying that abortion is the killing of a child and then trying to walk it back. So Whoopi Goldberg the other day did the same thing. She, she says that, that abortion is a decision between her and her doctor and her child. Really, how many children do you know who feel like being stabbed in the face and having their brain sucked into a sink? You got people telling me I got to wear a mask or don't wear a mask or do this. Everybody wants to tell me what to do, but you won't let me make my decision about my body. You are not the person to make that decision. My doctor and myself and my child, that's who makes the decision. Oh, your child makes the decision, does it? Fascinating. Fascinating. I, I feel like as Ronald Reagan once said, there's a unique property of all people who are pro-abortion. All of them have already been born. And, and, and when I say that language and the, the turning and twisting of language is all about power, perfect example of this. So the Associated Press put out a style guidance alert yesterday. Here was their style guidance alert. Pregnant people. So you've heard the left use the phrase pregnant people with regard to women. But they say that some men can get pregnant now because they are so utterly and completely full of garbage. So here's the new AP style guidance alert. You ready for this? Phrasing like pregnant people or people who seek an abortion 
seeks to include people who have those experiences but do not identify as women, such as some transgender men and some non-binary people. Such phrasing should be confined to stories that specifically address the experiences of people who do not identify as women. See, gender, sex, and sexual orientation. Okay, so understand what the AP is doing right here. They're making a linguistic excuse for why you can make a war on women argument about abortion and then switch right over and say that some men are women. They're saying that when you're writing about abortion, you should use the term women so that you can talk about how women are being attacked by men. But then when you're talking about transgenderism, then you should use pregnant people so as not to offend the women who believe they are men. Language is just a pure tool of political narrative and power. That's what the AP is saying right there. And, and in the end, that's what it comes down to for the left. It's all about the power. It has always been about the power. It will always continue to be about the power. And that power to, to apparently kill the unborn is of deep importance to the left, deep and abiding importance to the left in a fundamental way, which should say something pretty deep and abiding about leftist perspectives on the world and why they should never be allowed this sort of power. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, end the week by tuning into The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew's shows every Friday. He's got an exciting evening planned for you. So head on over to dailywire.com at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, production coordinator Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Clavin. <laughs> 